You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So first and foremost, I want to thank uh, the three of you that apparently got together one day and decided that you were going to shout me out on Twitter. That has literally never once happened, and then all at once I had three people on Twitter, um, announcing that this is the best podcast that has ever been and ever was and ever will be, which is not what they said, but it's what I heard, and I want to thank you for that. You know, at some point, we just got to let the people know. That's what the rating and review stuff is all about, but you know what? There's a whole bunch of people out there on Twitter that just don't know, and they they listen to good podcasts, I'm sure. They they found some, but let's be honest. They they just don't know. The sooner we can help them find out, I mean, come on. Would you be a little disappointed if you just found out today? I would be sad. I would be sad. But, um, yeah, I just there, there, there's so many things that I want to get to today, and I don't know what we're going to get to, but I'm very excited because I, as I'm really poking through some PFF stuff, it's just it's all these little light bulbs are coming on. Like, ooh, that kind of makes sense. I like the way that that works mathematically. And um, also, I get the opportunity to make the declaration that we will have a better pass rush than the Chicago Bears. So... It's going to be a good day today. It's going to be a fun Sunday. I think I'm going to make that my title because one trend I've noticed is that on the weekends, the stats plummet. It's, I don't, you know, maybe it's because I get them out later sometimes on the weekend, but I don't think so. It's just, I, I can, it's a weird thing. Every Monday is going to be my best day. Then it just slowly drops a slight peak on Friday and then just kabloom, it just plummets. So my goal has been to just buck the trend. And I'm sure there's nothing I can do to actually do it, but I just, just for a little bit of fun, I just want to see if I can do it. Like, make Friday and Saturday, or Saturday and Sunday better than, it'll never be better than Monday, but, you know, better than a different day. So, in other words, that's probably going to be my title. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit of clickbait. And actually, it, uh, yesterday was pretty good. It still, it still was a drop-off, no question, but nowhere near as steep. And I am happy to report that all of these these ratings and reviews you're doing, no question it's having an impact. This show, I've, I've been mentioning for a while, the reason we're doing this is because it's basically flatlined. And I love doing this, and it's a lot of fun, but when you put in this much work every day and your statistics are basically just perfectly flat for a year, it's, it's troublesome. So there's no question it's going up. This, this massive Saturday drop-off is almost as high as last week's Monday peak. So just to give you an idea of how much of an infusion of new listeners we've had this past week, all because of what you guys are doing, very, very much appreciated. Speaking of, I promised we'd be doing mock drafts yesterday, and I lied. I just, I, I can't help the schedule. It is what it is. You kind of try to time it right, or the family's leaving, 
and the little one's going to be sleeping, but she woke up just as they left, and I can't just say, okay, here's television, I'm going to go downstairs, little two-year-old, try not to uh, find a way to maim yourself while I'm downstairs and can't hear you. That's just not uh, proper dadding. But I found a compromise, at least temporarily, because I want to give you at least something. Get in the Facebook group. The link is in the description. What I'm going to do is I'm going to post a video. It's going to be a very short video, and it's going to show basically the draft, right? A, a mock draft, a simulation. Then we're going to get to 12, and I'm going to do a poll, and everybody in the Facebook group can kind of play along, and, and you know, I'm going to list a bunch of names. You can add names if you want to add names. I'll leave that option open, and we'll let a poll run, and that'll be the selection. I kind of hope this thing doesn't time out. That might be a problem. Whatever. We'll figure this thing out. But we'll, we'll try that, at least in the interim, until I can, you know, whatever. Whenever I find time, I'm going to reach out. Just try to make yourself available. All right. Oh, yeah, the phone number. If you'd like to call with a question, if you'd like to get something off your chest, 608-501-0718, In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I'm actually going to start with it. I, 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 it's kind of frustrating because I've got a list of things that need to get done. Some of them from several days old, and I'm trying to go from the bottom of the list and work my way up to get caught up. But since I'm kind of like in this mode right now, I just want to just kind of tell you what I've found so far. Because it's not just about our, our current pass rush, and I talk about the, the numbers and all that kind of stuff. But it has a little bit of an implication into the draft and, and some of that kind of thing. So one of the things that I had talked about before is... Well, first of all, it's not just sacks, it's also pressures. But it's also not just numbers, but a percentage. Because you look at Zadarius Smith, and he didn't play full-time like he will in Green Bay, so if you just look at his numbers, they're not as good. However, if you look at it as a percentage, in other words, how many times, when you tried, how many times were you successful? I had mentioned that Zadarius Smith was successful in creating a pressure 12.6% of the time, which is a very, 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 very high number. It's, It's pretty incredible. Then it kind of led me to a thought, and everybody knows the Bears' front is very good, but primarily that's just Khalil Mack, and I thought, you know, I know for a fact that their other outside linebacker is not very good. So I went and I just got their line. Now, there's a lot of nuance here, and I'm going to try to talk about the nuance. In fact, it's going to be my main point as we move forward, but let's just take it as base defense, and I want to see the percentage of times that these guys get to the quarterback. Well, Khalil Mack for anybody, Packers or Bears, is number one. 14% of the time he creates a pressure. That's pretty incredible. Now, on the opposite side of him, Leonard Floyd, which is, this is 2019 Bears, by the way, because Sam Acho, I think it was, who was the primary guy last year, is is currently a free agent. Don't even know what his number was. Don't care. Leonard Floyd currently is going to be the other outside linebacker, which is a 
deficiency for the Bears. And again, pretty awesome because they have no salary cap to go out and get somebody to compliment Mac, and they do not have a draft pick until round three. If they really want to invest in a outside linebacker, best of luck finding somebody that's going to rush the passer at a 12% pressure rate in the third round. Just saying. But his number is 8.4%, which is really, really low. I mean, that's just, that's bad. It's not the worst on the list, but it's definitely not good. Akeem Hicks, the other guy that's known as being a very, very good um, player, and he was a good player, his number was 9.5%. I'll be honest, pretty shocked at how low that is. Now, I've mentioned if you get to 10%, that's not bad. So it's, it's fine, but I think a lot of his production is the fact that he just played a lot of snaps. So you get bigger numbers because he's playing a lot. And, and you know, PFF-wise, guy was off the charts. I mean, he was Kenny Clark territory. So we've got Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd accounting for 14% and 8.4%. Then on the inside, we've got Akeem Hicks at 9.5. Eddie Goldman, who's the rookie, or was the rookie? Jeez, that was a long time ago. But the young guy, the younger guy in the middle, man, he's probably coming up for a second contract at this point. Stuck in the past, man. Now, he's a good football player, but I, I think he's primarily more of a run stopper because his pressure rate is only 7.5%. Just to give you an idea of how low that is compared to anybody, 2019 Bears, and we're going to look at 2018 Packers and 2019 Packers, that is the lowest pressure rate of anybody. Anybody on 2018 Packers, every single one of them, that's lower. So he's not, I mean, he's, he's a nose tackle. Granted, Kenny Clark is too, so it's not much of an excuse, but he's, he's you know, he's the nose tackle. He's not getting after the quarterback very much. And then the other guy that is, uh, I believe, going to be uh, their top guy, he was a rookie last year, so plenty of opportunity to improve. But um, he's going to be getting, I believe, the most amount of snaps. We'll see what happens. But Bilal Nichols, his pressure rate was 7.9%. Again, that's not very good at all. It is the third lowest. There is one Green Bay Packer who is lower than that. But otherwise, outside of the one Green Bay Packer in 2018, Goldman and Nichols are the two lowest pressure rate guys. And Floyd isn't great. And Hicks is just okay, around a little less than 10. Khalil Mack, though, 14%. I mean, that's, that's why you get that guy. Now, let's look at last year's 2018 Packers. On the outside, Clay Matthews, 8%. Nick Perry, 7.7%. That is horrible. That is pathetic. Then you look at Dean Lowry on the inside, who was, um, you know, had Muhammad Wilkerson stayed healthy, he would have been the number three. But after uh, Muhammad Wilkerson went out, Dean Lowry became sort of the number three. His pressure rate was 7.8%. Again, fairly low. But you look at Mike Daniels. Mike Daniels didn't play all that much. I mean, even when he was healthy, he was on a snap count, which is sort of weird. I don't understand it. Again, we'll get to that. But Mike Daniels, 13.7%. That's insane. 13 points. That's, that's basically Khalil Mack numbers. Now, I don't, I don't think mo- most of that wasn't sacks, so it's not as flashy. It's not as whatever. But we're just talking pressures. We're talking about the ability. When you're trying to get after the quarterback, how many times are you in his face and making him uncomfortable? Either hitting him right as he throws it, chasing him down, making him break the pocket and run, or straight up sacking him. Mike Daniels is just about as terrifying to quarterbacks as Khalil Mack. But for whatever reason, hopefully this changes. He was on a pitch count last year. Either way... Just looking at numbers, 13.7, and then Kenny Clark was 11.3, another very good number. So in order, looking at best to worst, Khalil Mack, 14, Mike Daniels, 13.7, Kenny Clark, 11.3, Akeem Hicks, 9.5, Leonard Floyd, 8.4, Clay Matthews, 8%, Bilal Nichols, 7.9, Nick Perry, uh, excuse me, Dean Lowry, 7.8, Perry, 7.7, Goldman, 7.5. 
Now, if you just put all these and just add it up, let's just say that these guys played 100% of the snaps every single play, every, you know, whatever. Who's getting to the quarterback more? Believe it or not, it's the 2018 Packers. The Chicago Bears, and again, this is, you know, it's a problem because they don't play every snap, but not only that, let's say Mack and Hicks get there at the same time. Technically, they both get credited for a pressure, but it's the same snap, so it doesn't count as, but whatever. We're, we're disregarding that. Just add it up. What do you come up to? The 2019 Chicago Bears, 47.3. 2018 Green Bay Packers, 48.5. Packers' number is higher. Now, again, it's 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 not going to be as, as impactful because you have Mike Daniels on a pitch count, so it's 13% of about 50% of those pass rushing snap. And then outside of that, if you take that away, you know, suddenly the number drops pretty substantially. But now let's look at the 2019 Green Bay Packers. And I'm just going to go in order. Mike Daniels, 13.7%. Still the best pass rusher on the team. Zadarius Smith, 12.6%. Preston Smith and Kenny Clark are tied with 11.3%, and then Dean Lowry at 7.8%. If you add that up, you get 56.7%. Again, if we played all these guys for every single snap, 50%, more than 50% of every single snap would be a pressure. Another way to look at this, if these numbers hold, is that even if we can't say that because, you know, there's going to be a rotation, there might be injuries, there's pitch counts, you know, two pressures at the same time kind of brings that number down. Another way to look at that, though, is if these guys are all on the field at the same time, you take a coin, you flip it, that's basically the chances that one of these guys is getting home. It's actually better than that. In some capacity. That's a pretty terrifying group. And it's a massive upgrade. You got Clay Matthews. We've gone from Clay Matthews at 8% to Zadarius Smith at 12.6. We go from Nick Perry at 7.7% to Preston Smith at 11.3%. And again, comparing the numbers, 2019 Chicago Bears, if their pressure rate holds, and, and I don't know that it will. Again, Akeem Hicks had a great year, but it was far and above what it was the year prior. Now their defensive coordinator is gone. I wouldn't be surprised if Akeem Hicks has a slight regression. But either way, Chicago Bears in 2019, if the pressure rate holds 47.3%, Green Bay Packers 56.7%. We have a better group of overall pass rushers across the board. Now, here's the other thing. I've talked about defensive tackle and how it's not that big of a need. I, 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 that's not exactly what I said, and that's not exactly what I mean. But the one way to look at what, who to draft, how to draft, all this kind of stuff, is where is there an actual hole? Defensive tackle is not an actual hole in terms of just talent. Just forget any of the specifics. Just say talent. There's plenty of talent. If we bring back Muhammad Wilkerson, he's got talent. Which, by the way, a little segue, Muhammad Wilkerson is not a good pass rusher at all. If our goal is to fill that void as far as pass rushing, he's not going to get it done for us. Last year, his number was 5%. Now, that's kind of ridiculous because he only played 115 snaps, 74 pass rush snaps, but it's not that ridiculous when you realize that that's not too far off from his normal pass rush uh, pressure rate, at least over the last couple years. In 2017, with the New York Jets, he had a pass rush pressure rate of 6.4%. That is way below Nick Perry. Now, he's, he's more of a run defender anyway, so if you're looking at, okay, we got our pressure guys, let's get our run defense guy, let's get Muhammad Wilkerson, fine. But if the, listen, what did the Chicago Bears do that was so incredible? Why did their corners all of a sudden get so good? Why were their, their safety so good? You want to protect Adrian Amos so he doesn't come over here and all of a sudden everything is just garbage because he came to a garbage team and nothing? Pressure. Pressure with just your front. Now, I, I, I never really liked the idea of having talent set on the bench, meaning if we draft a defensive lineman, then you're going to have somebody sitting on the bench. There's going to be times where it's going to be, you know, let's say Ed Oliver instead of Mike Daniel. But let, let's look at something else that I discovered. 
just looking at week one, there were 70 snaps on offense. In week one, Muhammad Wilkerson accounted for 43 snaps. Kenny Clark accounted for 54. And Mike Daniels only accounted for 33 snaps, which is less than half. So in total, if you take those 70 snaps that are available across three different positions, that's 210 total snaps, right? Talking man hours now. Out of those three guys, our top three guys, only 130 snaps were accounted for. That leaves 80 snaps just sitting out there. 80. We have to account for 80. That, that's more than full-time. That's more than a full-time job. If we're saying that on average these guys are, are getting 40 snaps, you take the 80 leftover snaps, there's two full-time positions sitting out there available. Now, we've got guys that can fill that void, but who is it? In other words, what I'm saying here is that we don't need three defensive linemen. We need five. There's five full-time positions available at defensive line. We have two that can get a really good pressure rate. So I'm not saying we need to get two more. But if the idea is let's get one more, I don't have a problem with that. And the same is technically true with outside linebacker. If you look at week one, 70 snaps, the only defenders that accounted for 70 snaps were Kentrell Bryce and HaHa Clinton-Dix. Those are the two safeties. Blake Martinez, our linebacker, and our two starting uh, cornerbacks, Tremont Williams and Kevin King at that time. So the secondary, in other words, CB1, CB2, your two safeties, and Blake Martinez, your, your number one linebacker. Everybody else is on a rotation. Clay Matthews was the, the next highest at 60 snaps. Nick Perry had 41. So again, doing the exact same exercise in terms of man hours. You got two outside linebacker spots. That accounts for 140 snaps in terms of, again, man hours, right? Clay Matthews accounted for 60, Perry accounted for 41, that's 101 total. That leaves about 40 left over, right? Well, if Perry's doing 40, that means we got at least one more spot, one more full-time position available in terms of accounting for the snaps. Somebody filled that 40 that wasn't our top two outside linebacker. So, you know, and, and some of you maybe already saw this, I've, I've been having a lot of heartburn in terms of having too many, and I, you know, the, he added, you can never have too many pass rushers. I hear people say that, and I go, pfft nonsense. Yes, you can. You can have too many when you've got guys sitting on the bench not producing. Now, if you have a regular rotation between three where it's just, you know, you got about 40 snaps each, 40 to 50, and it's just a regular, it's like a volleyball rotation. Just, all right, move on, slide down the line. Of course, that's not how it would work. It would be situational. But but this has just really helped me because it's, I guess in my mind, if we draft Brian Burns, you would have Brian Burns doing about 60 snaps. You'd have Zadarius Smith doing about 60 snaps. And Preston Smith would account for about 20. Well, what do we just pay him all that money for? To, to be a backup? To be a situational guy? To come in on, on, on running downs? But that's probably not what would happen. It also depends on whatever. The, the bottom line is we have about three full-time jobs at outside linebacker, and we have two outside linebackers. We have about five full-time defensive tackle roles, and we've got two that can rush the passer. Right, safety's different. We have two safety spots. We have two full-time safety roles. Beyond that, we have backups. So it's sort of the difference between, you know, starter and backup for safety, starter and backup for corner, I guess. Linebacker, it's full-time starter and part-time guy, which the argument for linebacker would be not so much we need a new part-time guy, but hey, if we can get, you know, whoever your guy is. I don't want to get involved in that argument. I don't really care. I like Devin White just because I need physical. Not that Devin White isn't, I'm just saying. I mean, Devin Bush. I, I always think it's the White that's the same name. It's the Devin that's the same name. But the argument would be, let's like make the new guy the full-time starter, and then Blake can be the part-time guy. But it was just a new way of looking at things, and I thought that was kind of cool. And beyond that, again, what we're talking about here is the potential to have a better front than the Chicago Bears. But in order to do that, we got to have more guys. Because the guys we have now that are our starters are better than the Bears' starters. 
But if we account for the percentages, which I'm not going to do the math on that because I just we got other stuff to do. Essentially, you look at Mike Daniels and you say, okay, it's 13.7%, but he's only out there for 30% of the snap, or excuse me, 50% of the snaps, 30 snaps. Well, then you got to cut that in half. Suddenly, his overall impact on the game gets cut in half. Now, if you fill the void with somebody that's about as good as Mike Daniels or even kind of close to it, suddenly you bring that number back up. And now we're getting closer. Again, if you, if you can keep that number inflated by having that many guys up front, in other words, get another pass rusher, get another defensive tackle so that we never have to drop that number below 50%. You're always getting after the quarterback at 50%. The, the biggest problem, though, is you have to pull these guys. Mike Daniels has to come off. Montrevious has to go back on. That drops our pressure rate. The, the opportunity for us to get after the quarterback plummets at that, op- at that moment. What, I mean, we'll see what I'm not trying to trash Montrevious. He's been getting better. Hopefully he takes a big leap. I'm just saying, based on the numbers I have, that's what happens. And that's what's go- and that's always going to happen. You're, you, you got your best guy. Your best guy needs a break. He's going to come off along the defensive line. But having those guys in a constant rotation, especially this year, in a heavy defensive draft year, or defensive tackle year. Man, speaking is a struggle today. Heavy defensive tackle year. And it doesn't have to be 12. It doesn't have to be... Ed Oliver at 12. It doesn't have to be let's trade up and get Quinn and Williams. It doesn't have to be any of that. We can wait till 30. There's still some good guys out there. I'm a big fan of, of uh, Jerry Tillery. If Christian Wilkins makes it, to thir- makes it to 30, I don't know that how the Packers pass on him. Based on everything I've said and his ability, on top of his character, I, 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 I would bet there's somebody in the Packers uh, scouting department or, or somebody in that room, that organization, that wants Christian Wilkins at 12 just because of his character. Because... Packers are kind of obsessed with that. And I know it's college, but Christian Wilkins had a pass rush, uh, uh, a pressure rate of 14%. He had a Khalil Mack pressure rate in college in 2018. Again, it's college, but if he can even step up in the pros and be able to produce, you know, at Kenny Clark numbers, we're talking 11-ish percent, it will not be a wasted pick. He will be a phenomenal a phenomenal piece that, that'll bring us up to the, the potential of being, and, and I'm just talking about the front, but we all know what that means. If our front is dominant, it's going to help our corners, it's going to help our safeties. So I, I've never really been super high on getting another defensive tackle until basically this moment. <laughs> and again, that also means outside linebacker because we're talking front. It's just, it's, it's raising the bottom a little bit. Because, you know, I know I don't need to say it again, but I feel the need to say it again. There are going to be times when guys have to come off, and, and the guys that we have as our third, fourth, fifth defensive tackles are going to have to come out, and their ability to perform is, is going to have an impact on our ability to win football games. I mean, forget injuries, which also happen. We're, we're just talking about actual guys that are going to play, and they don't, they don't have the S label next to them for starter, but they are playing, and they will play. Not because of injury, because there's a rotation, and you will play. And it's just, you know, the, the where you draw a line for starter and, and player... It's just kind of an arbitrary line, because again, you're going to have a guy that plays 45 snaps, another guy that plays 38 snaps, another guy that plays 24 snaps. You want your best guys out there at all times, but there's just kind of, there's just a running rotation. By the way, Quinn and Williams, I wanted to look it up real quick. Um, Quinn and Williams had a pass rush pressure rate of 17%. Again, it's college, but he played at Alabama, so he went up against some pretty tough schools. And we're talking about not Khalil Mack numbers. We're talking Aaron Donald numbers. Guy's crazy. And for those wondering, Ed Oliver had a pass rush uh, rate of 10.3, which I got to be honest is, is troubling. He had a great run defense grade. Very, very good run defense grade. He had a good pass rush grade, according to Pro Football Focus. 
But the guy plays for Houston. He had three sacks, three hits, and 20 hurries. Only able to get 20% pressure rate. Almost all of his pressures were hurries. And he's going up against kind of garbage competition. The, the ceiling is really high, but to say that I'm worried about him is somewhat of an understatement. So if we happen to, to not take him at 12, I, I think I might be okay with that. Let's just look at a couple, of, just because I'm curious now, some of the other potential first-round guys. Oh, Jerry Tillery I like a lot. Jerry Tillery had a pass rush grade of 92.5, which is insane. His pass rush productivity, that metric that uh, PFF uses, that, again, kind of just pops out a number based on sacks, hits, hurries, pressures, all that stuff. He was ranked fifth in the nation. His pressure percentage, 12.24. So a good number. Not Christian Wilkins good, definitely not Quinnen Williams good. But also keep in mind, eight sacks, seven hits, 33 hurries. So a large portion of his pressures came from sacks. Dude's pretty good, and he's probably going to be available at 30, possibly even 44. Again, knowing who's going to be available at 30 and not 44 is an impossible exercise because all these guys, there's just, like I've said, a jumbled mess of players that are all super talented. And at 44, there's going to be guys that should have been picked at 30, but, you know, only so many picks you can make. One at a time, to be specific. Should probably look at pass rushers too, right? Let, let's just let's just do this thing. We can push all these notes from three days ago back another day. I'm having fun. Hey, Geronimo got a one-year contract. So, anyways, moving on. Let's take a look at somebody that is a little controversial, but I want to talk about Mr. Rashawn Gary. Since we're just going through the list of potential first, let, let's just say first through 44th. Because Rashawn Gary kind of fits the mold of Preston Smith slash Zadarius Smith. Now, when he originally was supposedly like 285, it's like, all right, he's he's a defensive tackle. He's, I mean, he, he's a 4-3 guy. He's either going to be a defensive end. If he's real big, he'll be a 4-3 defensive tackle. But then he weighs in at like 275, and it's like, oh, that's pretty much what we're looking for, apparently. We're looking for 4-3 defensive ends at 275 pounds that can play down and up that uh, are really kind of athletic and can get after the passer. Now, a lot of people don't like Gary because... Well, they've watched his tape and it doesn't look very flattering. That's absolutely true. And PFF agrees they gave him a 68.3 pass rush grade, an 83.2 run defense grade. But athleticism is off the charts. And as I've mentioned before, coming out of high school, he was he was the highest recruited and one of the higher recruited guys um, in a you know in a very long time. In other words, look over the last 10 years, like the top guys. You got like Jadavian Clowney, somebody, and then Rashawn Gary just absolute freak and maybe some people are just stuck on that like but he's supposed to be good he came out of high school and everybody loved him and they can't let it go i don't know i'm i don't know i'm not a scout i'm just i'm just reading numbers man but i know a lot of scouts are saying you guys are wrong if you're just focusing on last year he had injuries and blah 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 blah. so whatever but his run stop percentage was sixth in the nation at 9.9 percent so that's kind of going to be one of the things he excels at still despite his pff grade the guy didn't play very much he had a 13.9, so basically 14% pressure rate. That isn't bad. Now, only four sacks, but, it, you know, and that's the thing. You look at the guy, you say, okay, you're supposed to be this great pass rusher, and in 2018 you had four sacks. Well, he only played about, a, what, a half a year, 353 total snaps? I mean, he played nine games, but in 2017 when he played 13 games, he had double the amount of snaps. So, again, we're just, just looking at percentages. If you take that out and extrapolate it over a normal snap count, that number goes up quite a bit. And again, it's a 14% pressure rate. That's not bad at all. And again, I, I, I've never 
cared for Rashawn Gary because I, like everybody else, watched him play, and it's like, okay, this guy's not good. Talk about him as an edge rusher, and it's like, no, maybe a defensive tackle, but I'm never going to put him on the edge. But overall, looking at his numbers, and this is kind of interesting, too, to kind of break it down this way, uh, his overall pass rush productivity was 8.1, which is ranked 33rd in the nation. Not bad when you put in the nation after it. But then they also have inside, outside, and bull rush pressure. Well, his bull rush pressure was 84th, so not great. His outside pressure, as in when they lined him up as a defensive end, how well did he do? He was 58th. Inside pressure, 34th. So a lot of the pressure he generated was as a down lineman, which isn't bad considering we're saying we should probably try to add another piece that's another body, but I'm not sure what to do about defensive tackle or defensive end. Well, I don't hate the idea of having a guy like Rashawn Gary down, Preston and Zadarius on the outside, Kenny Clark and Mike Dan. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm not saying, man. I'm just saying. It, it's that versatile piece, right? He's not my favorite defensive tackle. He's definitely not my favorite outside linebacker slash defensive end, but kind of killing two birds with one stone, Rashawn Gary. The problem is you, you kind of half fill two spots and then you move on after that. And it's like, okay, we did defensive tackle and defensive end. Now what do we do? Like, well, wait, wait a minute. Uh, I don't know. But whatever. It's an option now. It's officially an option, whether you want to believe it is or not. And Gutekunst spent a good period of time at uh, the Michigan Pro Day. I don't know how many different places Gutekunst goes to. Obviously, Packers representatives are at just about every Pro Day. But uh, Gutekunst himself wanted to get his eyes on Michigan. And there's so many guys at Michigan, man. Guys that would absolutely fit, particularly Mr. Rashawn Gary and Mr. Devin Bush. Just saying. Another defensive tackle that I don't necessarily think the Packers are going to target is Dexter Lawrence. Reason being, he's six foot two, uh, 342 pounds. Uh, six foot four. I didn't finish my sentence there. Six foot four, 342. Now, even for nose tackles, the Packers don't usually get that big of a guy. Packers' nose tackles aren't even that big. But real big dude. Lightning quick for his size. And as far as a pass rush pressure rate, 13.8. Right up there with uh, his compadre, Christian Wilkins. So, I mean, he's getting to the quarterback as often as Christian Wilkins. And he's doing it at 342 pounds. And by the way, he ran a 5.0540 at 342 pounds, which is just ridiculous. His pass rush productivity, fourth in the nation. So again, I don't like Dexter Lawrence from the standpoint of, hey, let's get a nose tackle. No, I don't want to know. We don't need a nose tackle. We got Kenny Clark, man. And he's out there more snaps than anybody. So as far as rotation, he's never going to get out there unless we put him at defensive end. But, you know, what position you play isn't just down to your size. It has to do with your abilities. So if a defensive end just has a checklist, you need to be able to do these things and be this fast and be this strong and do this and this and this and this, and he can do it all, fine. We got a 342-pound defensive end. It's not like Kenny Clark can't play defensive end. We can put him anywhere along that defensive line. He's going to be dominant. We can do whatever we want. So I'm, I'm pretty sure we're probably not going to go after Dexter Lawrence, but again, if we're just looking for a defensive lineman that can get after the quarterback, Mr. Lawrence has that ability. Fourth in the nation in pass rush productivity. Sixth in the nation, run stop percentage. Dude is uh, pretty good. Next up for defensive tackles anyways, Mr. Draymond Jones. 6'2", 281. Very, very, uh, very much a smaller guy. But again, if we're just focused on pass rush, Draymond is kind of what we're after, right? Not super great. He was 81st in the nation, run stop percentage at 5.4%. But 11.2 pass rush productivity. Not productivity, wrong thing pressure percentage. Not super high, but he has that ability. I, I kind of cooled off on Draymond. Draymond was, like, when I first started this, Draymond was my guy, and that was back when I first started doing highlights. Like, dude, Draymond's a freak. But then if you actually just watch some of his games, it's like, eh, I'll take Jerry Tillery over him any day of the week. 
But he is an option. Pass rush guy. Smaller, shiftier, speedier. I mean, kind of. He's slower than Dexter Lawrence. <laughs> In the 40, which who cares? I mean, nobody along the defensive line is running a 40. So 40 doesn't matter. I mean, it gives you a general idea of how, you know, athletic they are. But, uh, you know, 10-yard split, three-cone, vert, you know, broad jump, explosion, that kind of stuff, that's going to matter a little more. Another guy we can't forget about is Mr. Jeffrey Simmons. I had mentioned that uh, he's probably he probably would be a top-five pick if it wasn't for the injury-slash-off-the-field issues. But uh, he had a pressure rate of 10.6%. Not super high, but as far as his PFF grade goes, uh, 90 0.4 pass rush, so elite pass rushes. Run defense, 92.8, so elite pass rush. Overall, 92.8, so graded as an elite player. He was fourth in the nation in run stop percentage, 17th in pass rush productivity. And actually, 2018 was a little bit of a down. If you look at 2017, his uh, pressure rate was 14.3%. He's, he's just a big, dominant, scary dude. Packers might pass on him just because of whatever the issues might be, but I, he's not he's not off my board at all. The biggest problem with him is going to be his injury. We lose a year with him, so that's going to end up dropping him. The last guy I want to talk about is Gerald Willis. Um, the only reason I want to talk about Gerald Willis is because I never understood the Gerald Willis thing. When I started doing all this, you know, watching defensive tackles and trying to rate, rate defensive tackles, which I never actually finished, by the way, Gerald Willis was at the bottom of the list. I kept everybody I watched, even if they were later on down the line, it's like, yeah, he's better than Gerald Willis. I don't get the Gerald Willis thing. Everyone's talking about, well, he's super athletic and all Dude just runs around like a chicken with his head cut off, but he doesn't actually do anything, especially beyond the line of scrimmage. Like, he does stunts and twists all the time. He's running laterally. It's like, okay, but you kind of got to go forward at some point, and by the time you actually get around the other defensive tackle, get back to the line of scrimmage, and then get stonewalled there, the ball's already out. So his, his pressure rate was about 9%, and the guy's only played 856 snaps in four years, or three years, I guess. He didn't play at all in 2017. 2016, he only played 237 total snaps. So the guy hasn't played hardly anything, and I don't think he did very much. I just, I don't get, somebody explain Gerald Willis to me. What is it about Gerald Willis that you like? I watched like three games, and I never saw him do a good thing. It's like, oh, he's so athletic. Yeah, I see him running somewhere. What is he actually doing? Can he move anybody out of the way? Because I've never seen him do that. Maybe I'll just go watch some highlights of Gerald Willis, because that'll, I mean, that'll answer the question, I guess. And by the way, in 2016, his pressure rate was 4.4%. And you can call it a small sample size if you want, but you know, 113 pass rush attempts. He got in and around. Shouldn't have said it that way. He got near the quarterback five times in 113 tries. So I'm not a fan. I don't get it. I don't see why he would go in the second round. I have no idea why he would go in the second round. Maybe as a run stuffer, but I mean, he's seen as an athletic pass. I I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. So uh... we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
All right, let, let's uh, let's look at some uh, some, uh, some, uh, some, uh, some, uh, some, uh, some outside guys. So we might as well look at Nick Bosa. I don't think, considering all the things that we've done, that it makes a lot of sense to go get Nick Bosa. Again, it's it's not even that we can't have another pass rusher, but why pay that much to go up and get Nick Bosa? Beyond that, there's the whole issue of him going from 4-3 defensive end to an outside linebacker. Not that he can't do it, it's just, you know, what is the effect of that? Now, just right out of the gate, just to give you an idea of how crazy this guy is, First of all, his pass rush grade, which some of you don't care about, but it was 92.5, really good. Run defense grade, 86.8, solid. Coverage grade, horrible, because, you know, again, not an outside linebacker. But in 2018, he only played 113 total snaps before he got hurt. 67 times he tried to get to the quarterback. Only 67 times. Remember, what's his name? Gerald Willis, 100 and some odd tries, he got there five times. In half the amount of times that Gerald Willis tried to get to the quarterback in 2015 or whatever, 2016, he got four sacks. So think about that. If you give Gerald Willis 115 tries, he'll he'll get near the quarterback five times. If you give Bosa 67 attempts, half the amount of attempts-ish, he'll sack the quarterback almost as many times. In total, four sacks, four hits, six hurries in 67 attempts. That's a 22% pass rush rate. 22%. Once in every four snaps in which the quarterback drops back to pass just about, we'll call it one in every five, Nick Bosa's harassing the quarterback. That's just kind of how crazy he is. Now, if you want to call that a fluke because it was a small sample size, fine. 2017, 319 pass rush snaps, right? Full season, nine sacks, 12 hits, 45 hurries. That's a 21% pass rush rate, basically the exact same. He was just on pace to basically do exactly what he did before, except it was going to be more sacks this time, whereas before it was a lot more hurries. Nine sacks, 12 hits, 45 hurries. 45 hurries! The the guy's a psychopath. Psychopath. I know how to say it correctly. I said psychopath. I don't know why. I just feel like if I say it wrong, it's more emphasis. People do that sometimes. I don't know why taking the O out would emphasize it more. Just does, man. I don't make the rules. I just honor them blindly. So Bosa is a freak. But um, we're not going to take him. Somebody else will. Probably the 49ers, even though I still don't understand that so much. That's fine. They'll get Bosa. It'll work out just fine. One of the other guys they drafted in the top five will sit on the bench, and um, they probably won't care. Next up, let's look at Mr. Uh, Josh Allen. It's kind of weird that nobody's really talking about him anymore. It was it was the number one thing that Packers fans wanted. And there was a time at which he was basically going to be sitting around 12. Then everybody found out he was cool and said, nah, he's going top five. Um... And he might, but maybe he won't, and also we might trade up. Not saying we will, not saying we should. I'm just saying it's still a possibility that he's a Packer in a couple months. So let's take a little look-see. First of all, in terms of PFF grade, 92.2. So very, very high grade, basically the same as uh, Bosa. Here's the thing. Pass rush grade, 94.3, even higher than Bosa. Freakishly high. Run defense grade, 83.5. Coverage, 78.3, and the previous year was actually better, 83.2. So the dude can cover, suddenly figured out how to to defend the run, because prior to this, here's here's what his four-year trajectory was defending the run. 65, 61, 59, 83. I don't know, he figured it out. Pass rush just went up every year. Coverage was basically garbage the first two years, and then the next two years was good. So all of a sudden, it kind of came together. He can cover, he can stop the run. Very, 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 very good pass rush guy. Uh, Number one pass rush productivity in the nation. Best pass rusher in college, according to Pro Football Focus, as well as a lot of scouts. Tony Pauline had actually already made that statement that he had talked to some people, 
and they said, you know, the, the best edge guy in the class is Nick Bosa. But if you're looking for the best pass rusher, Josh Allen is the guy. So get this. First of all, this is insane. Josh Allen, his pressure percentage, percentage of times when he was trying to get after the quarterback that he got to him in some capacity, 23.5. 23.5% of the time. Again, higher than Bosa. That's 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 silly, man. That's just silly. Even if you cut that in half when he goes to the NFL, it's still a really, really high number. And that would be devastatingly horrible if it got cut in half. Beyond that, though, it's not just the, the pressure numbers. He had 28 hurries, 12 hits, and 17 sacks. The guy had more sacks than hits. 17 sacks. I mean, I knew that, but it's still, it's just... The percentage of, of the pressures that converted to sacks is ridiculous. I'd be willing to bet you're not going to find anybody else unless it's just a ridiculously no, no, low number. You're not going to find too many people, if anybody, that has more than half the number of hurries were sacked. In other words, you find anybody else that had 28 hurries, none of those guys have 14 or more sacks. They might have like two or three. Just absolutely ridiculous. Now, obviously, that's a big jump from last year, but there isn't like this big buyer beware thing where he was at 5% last year. It was it was 14.8%. That's still a ridiculously high number. If I was looking at a guy that the Packers were interested in and his number was 14.8%, I'd be like, dude, this guy's good. That's I mean, that, we, we know based on what we've been talking about. That's a ridiculously high number. That's solid. That's awesome. I will take that any day of the week. And again, on top of that, the guy did well. I mean, there is some buyer beware with his run-stopping ability. Maybe he figured it out. Maybe something weird. I don't know. 342 run-stopping attempts to be as good as he was certainly wasn't a small sample size. And then also you add in the coverage. I mean, it just he's, he's got ability everywhere. Very, very good football player. I would say, you know, if he goes top five, we're probably not going to touch him, would be my guess. If he starts to fall, good chance we start maybe making some phone calls inquiring. Six foot four, two hundred sixty-two pounds. He's not a small guy at all. I mean, it's not like you know we're looking at the Packers trying to get bigger off the edge, and it's like, yeah, but he's kind of a smaller speed guy. Two sixty-two, small speed. I don't think so. I mean, that's that's Preston Smith. I think that's bigger than Preston Smith. Not as tall, but I think it's heavier. I mean, he he just he just fits, man. He fits. Uh, Montez Sweat. Uh, real disparity between people that like him, people that don't. Some people on Twitter are huge Montez Sweat apologists. I'm not as big a one. Fully acknowledge he is a freakish human being. A little bit of concern, though, about his 6'5", 260 frame getting to be able to bend around the corner because I didn't see it a lot. I mean, his three-cone was fine. His speed is obviously off the chart. He graded out well in PFF. His stats were fine and have been for two years running. So there's really no real red flags other than when you put on the tape, which, again, I don't usually like when people say that. When you watch him play in college, it's kind of like, I, I don't really see that bend around the corner very much. But I don't know if you see that very much with Zadarius and Preston Smith either. I mean, not everything has to be speed around the corner. And then, I mean, the bend is really just useful if you're just a speed guy who's going around the tackle. Because you have to be able to make a sharp angle to be able to come around the corner and get the quarterback. Otherwise, you're just going to run behind him. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be upset if we take Montez Sweat. I'm just, it's a little bit more buyer beware, but... Again, you look at what guys like Preston and Zadarius do, not being real big bend guys, they can get to the quarterback. So anyways, uh, overall grade 87.2, borderline elite, uh, 84.9 pass rush, 84.7 run defense, so basically as good at both. Coverage 69.1, not as good, but not, you know, incapable like Bosa. 
Now, his numbers aren't quite as flashy as Josh Allen, but he didn't play as many snaps, only 458 total snaps. Not sure why, if it was just a rotation or what. And only 267 of those were pass rush attempts. So when you look at 11 sacks, 10 hits, 27 hurries, compared to the amount of times he tried, we're looking at an 18.18% pressure rate. So yeah, he can get it done, man. I'm game. I'm 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 all for it. I like Brian Burns because of the bend. He's got the speed bend thing, but I I just as I look at the Packers and what they're looking for, do they want that 200 and whatever he weighed in at? The smaller speed. I just it doesn't seem like they want it. I like it. They don't seem to care. It's the same with like linebackers. I like big thumping guys. Nobody in the NFL does. Teams don't want them. Teams aren't going to take them. And rightly so. They're just going to get burned all over the place. I'm just saying I like them and I appreciate them and I like watching them hit people. I know nobody cares, but I appreciate them. That's all I'm saying. You may not have a place on the football field, but you have a place in my heart. But uh, Montez Sweat just fits, man. 6'5", 260. I mean, he's, he's Preston Smith. Preston is, what, 6'6", 260, 265-ish? If you Google it, it says, like, 255, I think. But I had heard he weighed in at, like, 265. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He, Preston Smith and Montez Sweat, same build, same kind of guy. So I, I would not doubt if he's the pick at 12 at all. Assuming he's available, that is. Another guy that I never really considered was Cleland Furl. Um, I just, I felt like he was a big, you know, 4-3 defensive end kind of guy. He would fit with the Lions. He would fit with those kinds of teams. But again, changing my thought process, 6'4", 265. He is Preston Smith, two inches shorter. But he's, that's what they're looking for. Now, the question is, can he stand up? But if he can, the, the guy, the, he can do it. His pass rush productivity was 10th in the nation. 89.7 pass rush grade. Basically elite. Run defense was 82, coverage was 70. He's, a, he's better in coverage than Montez Sweat. Better pass rusher and better run defender than Montez. All this across the board is better than Montez Sweat, and he's doing it for Clemson. It's a big school. The size is right. The grades are right. Now, the interesting thing with Furl is nobody's talking about him anymore. So some people are like, oh, he's a lock top 10. I have heard that he could make it late first. I don't know. I'd be surprised just based on everything that I'm saying and about to say about him that he would fall that far. But again, it's a situation where he's a locked top 10. Well, how many locked top 10s can there possibly be? There can't be more than 10. So I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I don't really know the word on the street as far as the scouting community. But looking at his um, pass rush numbers, 693 snaps. So he's, he's been there for three years, right? He, he's playing consistently. 759 snaps in 2016, 723 in 2017, 693 in 2018. He's a full-time starter. He's playing. Pass rush snaps, 324. In that 324 snaps, 13 sacks, 11 hits, 32 hurries. That's a lot of sacks. That's a lot of hits. That's a lot of hurries. For those keeping score, that is 56 total pressures. As a percentage of total pass rush reps... 17.3%. I mean, these, these are just awesome numbers. And again, college compared to the pros is going to be different. But these are this is why it's such a stacked class. Because you look at the numbers and it's like, these guys are freaks. I mean, they, they don't belong in college. It's just not fair. I mean, these are just a bunch of Aaron Donalds. Again, Khalil Mack in, in the pros is 14%. I've listed off like five or six guys that are above that. Two guys now that are in the 20s, which I think Aaron Donald in 2017 was in the 20s. I don't know. But just like the best of the best. So yeah, it's time for the pros, and the question is, how good are they going to be? And again, another guy that I wouldn't have necessarily considered, again, 6'4", 264 pounds, seemingly more of a defensive end than anything, but if they believe he can stand up, we got another guy. Another Preston slash Zadarius, um, 
stand up, hand in the dirt, whatever. Just that kind of a guy. The only question is, can he stand up in my mind? Other interesting thing about Cleland Furl, uh, pass rush productivity grade, he was ranked 10th. Run stop percentage, he was 94th, so not as good as you would hope. But if you look at the outside-inside kind of pressure, bull rush pressure, 149th, not very good bull rush. Outside pressure, 38th, not horrible. Inside pressure, 19th. So again, this is a defensive end. He's an outside guy, there's no question. But you put him on the inside, and that's where most of his productivity comes from. He's better inside. Kind of similar to Zadarius. Now, I don't know exactly outside-inside for Zadarius. He's probably better outside, but I'm just saying, you don't put him inside and say you're losing anything. He's solid inside. So I'm putting him back on the board. I didn't, I mean, I I shouldn't say I I never really took him off. I just didn't think it was a really good fit. But again, now that we're kind of looking at what Petten seems to like and what Gutekunst seems to like for our defense, I mean, to be honest, I don't know why we're going to just switch to a 4-3 at this point, but (laughs) whatever. Again, it's just defenses are multiple. Sometimes you stand, sometimes you're down. You got to be able to do both because that's just, that's what it is. There is no 3-4 or 4-3 anymore. Everybody's just asked to do a lot of stuff and you better be able to do all these things. Otherwise, you're situational and you're kind of taking up a roster spot. All right, now we get to Mr. Brian Burns, the guy that I've liked. Um, I think it was back in December when I first started looking at pass rushers, and I thought, why is this guy like a late first and everybody else is like getting a bunch of hype? So he is six foot four, 249 pounds, so he is smaller, so there's a question of how much do the Packers value this kind of a Clay Matthews build type of guy. He's, you know, strictly, you know, he's not going to be sliding in playing defensive end. I mean, you, you can do it. I don't know that you necessarily want to. I mean, he can. Inside pressure, 15, uh, 15th. So he can handle it, but it's not what you're going to want to do with him. So for the last two years, he's been full-time, and I mean full, full-time. 2017, 708 snaps. 2018, 838 snaps. That's a lot. 401 of them were pass rush snaps. Um, eight sacks, not blow the doors off kind of thing, but on top of the eight sacks, 10 quarterback hits and 48 hurries. That's 66 total pressures. I think that's what Bosa had. It's a lot. Now, he rushed the passer more, so it's going to be a little bit less, but it's still a lot comes out to about 16.5%. Again, a freak. Fantastic numbers. As far as his ability elsewhere, if you look at his pass rush trajectory, and it's maybe a little bit of buyer beware because it was such a big jump, uh, 68, 73, 90. Run defense also went up 61, 66, 78. Coverage, however, just plummeted. I don't understand how this happens to some guys, but 69, 63, 53 just wasn't his thing, I guess. Next up, Ja'Kai Polite. I've already said I don't necessarily want him on the team because of the way he acted. I'm much less concerned about his um, combine than his behavior. Some people have said the opposite. I think his combine was so poor. Well, first of all, probably because of lack of preparation, because he just seems like that kind of guy who just doesn't care. But also, he tried to bulk up a lot. Ja'Kai Polite is a small guy. He's a Brian Burns type guy. He tried to pack on a ton of weight to be like, oh no, I'm not small, I'm big. Well, he packs on a ton of weight, and then he just doesn't do as well. By the way, the Florida Pro Day is Wednesday, March 27th. It's going to be real big for Ja'Kai to, uh, to interview better, cut weight, and just go out and dominate. Um, but, it, you know, again, as far as I'm concerned, if he doesn't kill it in the interviews, I just don't want him. I know very few people agree with me, but as I've said, you're either on the board or off the board. If you're on the board and I'm not worried about your character concerns, I'll take you at 12. If you're off the board, you're off the board. I, I, don't, I don't know what the benefit of taking him at 44 is. If we're talking about a guy that you believe could ruin your locker room, don't let him in. If you don't think he's going to, then just take him where he's valued. I don't know. I, I just, I don't get thinking otherwise. Overall, 2018 grade, though, 90.5. He's a good he's a good football player. Uh, something else that's kind of interesting about him, 91 pass rush grade. A uh, little, you know, again, buyer beware, 62, 69, 91. Real big breakout year. Run defense was 77.7, which is solid. Coverage, 82.2. 
That's crazy good. Uh, but if you look at 2018, 529 snaps. Now, he's got a pretty low snap count. 2016, 200. 2017, 254. 2018, 529. That's kind of low. But either way, 10 sacks, which is pretty high for 250 pass rush attempts. Six hits, 25 hurries. Comes out to 41 total. And as a percentage, 16.4. Very, very similar to uh, Brian Burns. So it's pretty high. But again, you know, I, 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 it's whatever it is. He's, he's a good pass rusher in college. Uh, there's a good chance he's going to be a very good pass rusher in the pros. I'm not big on it, but if we take him, then that just tells me that the Packers have sat down with him, are not concerned with that, and we're getting a good pass rusher, and that's all it means. I'm not going to be mad about it. I, I don't have the ability sitting in my basement to determine if Ja'Kai Polite is going to be a good or bad person in the locker room based on what people like Charlie Casserly, who don't know what they're talking about, are saying about interviews. Granted, I got to see the press conference, which was just embarrassing, where he would specifically called out the Packers and said, yeah, they're one of the teams that picked on me. Whatever, man. Uh, one of the more underrated guys, and maybe I'll end with this because i got to get going here, but Zach Allen out of Boston College. And I've, I've told you my thoughts on him several times already. I see him as uh, the opposite of, um, I already forgot his name, the guy last year that came out of Boston College. He's a big guy, six foot four, two 281, right? Zadarius Smith plus a couple pounds. Zadarius Smith and a few cheeseburgers. Big dude. But he's seen as sort of somebody that can't rush the passer. He's just sort of an edge setter kind of guy. I, I don't necessarily see that. I, I was impressed. When I saw his size, it was the exact same thing. I thought, oh, he's going to be too big, too slow, too whatever. I didn't really see that when I watched him, though. His pass rush grade, 90.3 elite, better than a lot of the guys we've talked about. Run defense grade, 87.7, maybe the highest I've talked about yet. And coverage, 75.4. And every single year, he's gotten better. So, I mean, everything is good. And it's not buyer be it's, it's like a gradual progression every year. Pass rush, 52, 63, 71, 90. Run defense, 66, 75, 85, 87. Coverage, 61, 67, 71, 75. He's still growing. I don't know what his top is. But if we're looking for bigger guys on the edge at probably pick 44, he probably is a good chance he's available, that can play edge, that can play hand in the dirt, I don't think this is a terrible option at all. In terms of his stats, 811 snaps is a lot. 2017, same thing, 897. Great, I mean, playing lots and lots and lots of snaps. Full time and a half. He's playing overtime. Of that, uh, 437 were pass rush attempts. Only five sacks, but 18 hits and 31 hurries is a pretty big number. That's 54 total, which is quite a bit. That's 15.6 overall. So we're, we're not talking about in the 20s like Bosa and Allen. We're not exactly at 16% or whatever like some of the other guys. But 15.6 is, is right. I mean, he's he's as good, close to as good as a lot of the pass rushers we've talked about in terms of his ability to just disrupt. And again, the sack numbers aren't there, but the pressures overall are there. And if we're looking for a guy that's going to help the team disrupt to be a rotational guy that's going to be in the quarterback's face when, when Preston comes off, when Zadarius comes off, when somebody else comes on, we don't have to worry about, oh, shoot, it's, it's whoever that's not going to do any good. I think it's a solid later option. And beyond that, we're talking about somebody who's not just versatile, but well-rounded. It's not, you know, um, I forget who it was, but it's not somebody that's going to come out and be good against as a pass rusher on third down, but can't do anything against the run and can't cover. Again, real good against the run and apparently pretty solid in coverage. So I'm, I'm pretty good with the, you know, looking at Zach Allen at 44, depending on what we do beforehand. So again, there's other guys I'd love to look at Chase Winovich, but, um, you know, what we, we can touch on some more people. And again, if, if you want to call in, if you got a request, could be a third, fifth, eighth round person, could be running back, quarterback, I don't care. If you're interested in somebody in the draft, um, let me know. 
Otherwise, get in the Facebook group. I'm going to be gone until a little bit later. Be back around 1 o'clock. But I'm going to throw up that uh, mock draft, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I suppose if it times out, I'll just run it again, because who cares? Whoever's there is whoever's there. But uh, it'll be a community mock, and in the meantime, I'll be trying to find time to uh, to do a sit-down one-on-one mock with some of the listeners that left reviews. Otherwise, you folks enjoy your Sunday. Back again tomorrow. Have a good one.